0: You do battle with that by reminding yourself of how you're okay with God, what makes you okay before your Maker. And it's not what you possess, it's who possesses you. But now let's finish by talking about the Christian, the true believer who has remnants of thorny soil in their heart. How do, what does the parable say to us about that? What does the parable say to us about what the true Christian should gain from this in order to do battle against those thorns that remain in our hearts? So the parable is teaching us that once again, all of us have remnants of thorny soil in our hearts. All of all of us have aspects of our heart that are enticed by the deceitfulness of riches. Does anybody want to deny that? Does anybody want to, to deny that riches are not enticing? They're enticing to everyone. Possessions are enticing and they're deceptive. Does anybody deny that you live a life that's carefree? Nobody, nobody should live a life that's carefree. We all have cares. We all have concerns and troubles. Last week, we talked a great deal about the pressures of the world. And so we experienced these. We also experienced these desires for other things. Is Jesus saying that we should have no desire other than him? That's not what he's saying. So we all have this aspect, this aspect of the, this remaining, this part of the, the, the field of our heart, so to speak, that's thorny in which the, the seeds of the Word are growing, but they're growing alongside some thorns. What are we to do? How are we to do battle against those thorns? Because we started by saying something something about the, the thorn plant to begin with, right? How a thorn plant says to you, loud and clear, you better not lay a hand on me. I mean, if, if a thorn says anything to you, it says, touch me and it's going to hurt you for days. My thorns are going to go deep into your flesh and it's going to take you days to get them out. So how is it that we do battle with these remaining thorns? I think the first thing to see is to clearly see what these thorns represent for us. So again, Jesus uses this this threefold description, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. And I think that we can take that, and if if I may... I think I can take that, which we said earlier, just is a way of describing all of the human experience in this age. But I think I can take that and I can rephrase it into three categories that, that I hope would make even more sense to us. And those three categories are this, comfort, security, and peace. Comfort, security, and peace. May I suggest to you that every earthly desire falls into at least one of those categories, usually two. Comfort, security, and peace. Everything that entices you in this world, whether good, bad, or neutral, everything that you desire under the sun, in this life, in this age, on this earth, every natural thing that you desire falls into the categories of comfort, security, or peace. And that's what the thorns say to you. They say to your heart, we can give you this. We can give you comfort. We can give you security. We can give you peace. And those things fall into a myriad of of actual realities of of how that's actually played out. But that's how, if, if you study your own heart, you'll see increasingly that that is what your heart longs for. Your heart yearns for those three things. Comfort, security, and peace. Now, you can rephrase those any, any way you want. You can apply those any way you want. But I would challenge you to find one desire, one thing that impacts your life that doesn't fit into one of those categories. Either desire, the desire for comfort, meaning also pleasures, earthly pleasures, or comfort as in the absence of discomfort or the absence of pain. Something hurts, you want it to stop hurting. Something makes you sick, you want it to stop. Something's creating, creating aches and pains, you want it to stop. Something's inflicting pain on a, on a relationship that you have with someone in your life, you want it to stop. Comfort, security. All of us have a deep longing for security. I mean, that's largely what possessions are about. Possessions are are here to bring you comfort and pleasure, but they're also here to provide security for you. The sense of being safe, safe with maybe a safe income, a secure income, or a secure future, or security in the home, or, or security from bad people. On and on you could go. Security. Also, peace. That's what the, the human heart longs for, probably more than the other two, is peace, a sense of peace. We don't like unpeace. We don't like to be disquieted. We don't like to be upset. We long for peace. And so along comes all the things of the world. And in Jesus' parable, that would include basically everything in the created world can come along and offer to you one or more of those things. And they can say to your heart, I will give you this. And that's what the thorns are representing for the believer. These earthly things that say to us, I can give you this. Now, what's the Bible's solution to that? The Bible's solution is the doctrine of justification. Now, the doctrine of of justification, in case uh, we're not familiar with that, the doctrine of justification just, just means how the Bible tells us that we are made okay with God, that we are made right with God. All of us have a deep need to be okay with our maker, to be right with our maker. We all know that. It's deep in our hearts and many people deny it, but it's still there. And you may suppress it. You may quell it. You may press it down, but it pops up somewhere else. We need the approval. We need the acceptance of our maker. And that's our most desperate need in life. And that need can oftentimes manifest itself in the need for comfort, the need for security, or the need for peace. All those are just offshoots of the bigger need, which is to be right with our maker. Now, the Bible tells us that we're made right with our maker because Jesus, the Son of God, lived the perfect life in our behalf and then goes to the cross, pays the penalty for our sin, and by faith, His righteous life is accredited to us. Our sinfulness is given to Him and He's punished for it. And by faith, we receive His righteousness and that's how we're made right with God. But the human heart is fallen. And we have this pesky thing called remaining sin. And that remaining sin says to our heart over and over, it whispers to our heart, if you have me, you're okay. If you have me, you'll be okay. And that's comfort, security, and peace. All of those things come to us in that form to say, if you have me, you're okay. If if you have possessions, you'll be okay. If, if you have freedom from sickness, you'll be okay. If the, the doctor's report comes back good, you'll be okay. If you have the security of this or the security of that, you'll be okay. If you resolve this problem in your life, you'll be okay. And that's what the thorns say to us over and over. You'll be okay if you have me. And the Bible's answer for that, for the believer, is to say, all that I need is to be okay with my maker, and that's done through the doctrine of justification. And so the Bible teaches the Christian, the true believer, to battle the remaining thorns in their life by reminding themselves and meditating upon the doctrine of justification of how we are made right with God. And by teaching our hearts, I am right with my maker through the work of another. I don't look to myself to see if I'm okay with with God or not. I look to another. I look to Jesus. Looking to Him, that tells me I'm all right with my Maker. And that produces within us a peace, a security, a comfort that wells up underneath all those other thorny desires and pushes them out and produces fruitfulness. Now, I'm going to just take another minute or two, or three. And I want to show us how the New Testament, the New Testament's answer for all of the problems of the believer that the believer faces, the New Testament's answer for all of them, always includes reminding ourselves of justification. So the New Testament tackles a lot of issues, a lot of interpersonal issues, a lot of conflict issues, a lot of of issues in life because the, the New Testament is written to real people, real Christians who had real problems. But the New Testament's answer for all of our problems never, hear this clearly, the New Testament's answer for all of our problems never was disconnected from the doctrine of justification. One example that shows this, I think, very clearly is the example from Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, Paul is writing to a church and I think that in Paul's mind, I think Paul is hoping and praying that this is a church that's been overcome with thorns, but it's possibly a church that was a shallow soil church to start with. But I think Paul is hoping and praying that's really just a thorny church because it's a church that has been consumed with distractions, consumed with things that are threatening their profession. And so the whole letter is, a, is to this church that the church is saying there's something else. If I can have that, I'm okay. There's, if I can have that, I'm okay. Does anybody know what the that is in Galatians? The that is that the church is saying if I can have that, I'm okay. Anybody remember what it is? Circumcision. I mean, see, it can be anything. In anything that the world says to you if you have me you're okay and so for the galatians or for the churches in galatia that thing was circumcision if you can have me you're okay i know you got jesus but but if you can have me too you're okay and so paul's writing to a church that i think in his heart he's hoping that this this is just a lot of thorn bushes that i, I got to cut through and so how does paul attack that problem the problem of the galatian christians thinking that there's something else that they need. Do you remember that instance in chapter 2 where Paul speaks of his rebuke of Peter? Has that passage ever thrown you for a loop? Be honest. Has that passage... Remember what happens in the passage? Paul recounts to the Galatians that time that Peter was up there in the church at Antioch and he was eating sharing table with the, with the Gentile believers. And then some Jewish believers from Jerusalem came up. And you remember Peter withdrew from the Jewish, from the Gentile believers? The same Peter that saw the vision of the sheet come down three times. The same Peter went to Cornelius and all that. That same Peter was sharing table with Gentile believers. But then the Jewish believers came and Peter, wanting the approval of the Jewish believers, withdrew from the Gentile believers. And Paul rebukes him to his face, calls him a hypocrite, says that you are spreading hypocritical ideas to these other believers. And Paul rebukes him to his face. Have you ever read that and thought less of Paul? Be honest. Have you ever read that and thought, I hope nobody ever does that to me. I hope there's never some sort of sin in my life and a brother has to come along and rebuke me for it. And then he writes a letter to tell everybody about it. And that letter ends up in the Bible and millions of people have read it. You ever hope that never happens to you? And you ever ask, why Paul did you tell us that? Shouldn't that have been something between you and Peter? Well, the difference is Paul is writing Scripture. And the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to include this account because this is the perfect illustration for how the doctrine of justification teaches our heart to rip up the thorns. Take a look with me. This is on the back page of your notes now. From verse 11, this describes the problem. We just went through that where Peter was eating with the Gentile believers, but then he withdrew from them. Now look at verse 15. We ourselves... Or verse 14, I'm sorry. "...but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, or Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews?" Now here is verse 15. "...we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners." Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, verse 16 right there is the New Testament's clearest, most profound statement of justification by faith alone. Have you ever read that and asked, why is it right there? The conclusion of this whole rebuttal of Peter, the whole interaction between Paul and Peter, it's there because this is how Paul dealt with that. He said to Peter, Peter, you're forgetting how you're justified. You're forgetting what makes you okay with God. What makes you okay with God is not the approval of those Jewish believers. What makes you okay with God is Christ Jesus and your faith in Him. Don't forget that, Peter. You've forgotten that. And forgetting that has allowed this thorn to come up that's saying to your heart, Peter, if you just have me, you're okay. If you just have me, you're okay. If you just have the approval of those Jewish believers, you're okay. And Peter fell for it. And Paul's answer is, remember how you stand before God. It's not by having the approval of people. It's not by sharing table with the right people and not sharing people with the wrong people. You have the approval of God because of Jesus Christ and faith in Him alone. And if you see that pattern, if you see that and you teach yourself to see that in the Scriptures, You will begin to see it all over the place in the New Testament. That is the New Testament's answer for every strife the Christian faces. Every struggle, every thorn that would come along and say to you, if you just have me, you're okay. You really need me and you'll be okay before God. If you just teach your heart to see over and over and over, the Scripture never addresses, or the New Testament never addresses a problem in the church, that the doctrine of justification is far away from that. And so this is how the, the Scriptures teach us to address the remaining thorns in our hearts. Those things that would come along, the cares and, and deceitfulness of riches and, and the, uh, the allurement of possessions and the need for security and the need for comfort and the desire to have the approval of people and the desire to have things on earth tell our heart, you're okay if you got me. The Scriptures teach us, you do battle with that by reminding of yourself of how you're okay with God, what makes you okay before your Maker. And it's not what you possess, it's who possesses you.